0: Okay, this is podcast number nine, I think. The last one was number eight, and I thought it was number seven. So, this is Guy from My Real Estate Advisor. So, the website is www.myrealestateadvisor.com.au. Uh, my contact number is 0434695789, and the email address is info at myrealestateadvisor dot com.au so this is just a quick podcast about uh running events in real estate so as i say my business is fairly new uh we run one main event earlier on in the year and we had i think it was about seven or eight different speakers from different um industries So there was, um, I did a talk on the real estate side of things and I was promoting uh, another real estate company's uh, uh, listings, uh, some up-and-coming listings, some apartments in Brisbane, and promoting some of the other um, house and land packages and things like that I had available. Then I had, uh, it was... Um, I'm just trying to think now who came. So we had um, uh, solicitors, accountants, building and past, um, masonic charity thing, um, uh, quantity surveying, as far as I can remember, and investment analyst. I'm just trying to think if there was anybody else. No, not off the top of my head. There's quite a few, oh, um, finance people, a couple of different finance people came as well. So, yeah, so that was a mixture. And what I will say with that is we tried social media advertising and various other sort of things. Now, this is where I was, I probably mentioned this before, it's probably a good idea to use a third party for advertising for social media because we had good attendance from businesses but very low attendance from the general public. So I think the next time we run an event, um, we would have to use another um, third party to run the social media advertising to get numbers up there to attend. Um, Now I'm looking recently to run another event in a display home on the Gold Coast with a lady that's just recently started her own property management business who wants to network with some local businesses. So I might open that up to the public and some other local businesses to come along to do some networking, so we'll see how that goes. And if so, I will probably use a third party social media advertising company to get things going. But what I will say about doing events is you know if you video the event and you put it onto youtube and you video your speakers there from different companies and things like that and they share that on their social media and youtube and things like that once you've got it you've got it and once you've run uh, a decent size event and you've got a good location uh, you know what to expect for next time so i would always say that you know even if it's something you're a bit dubious of trying give it a give it a quick go and, and see how you go and, and um, test the water. But definitely look into some decent advertising to make sure you get the numbers there. Uh, it's quite a tough one. I spoke to another company that went, they were also in real estate, and they um, they spent a couple of thousand dollars. And they, they were looking to get 30 people to turn up. So we did better than that, so that was pretty good. Um, but I did a lot of ringing around and emailing and... Lots of stuff to, to make sure I got the attendance up. So yeah, um, it's something where you've got to you've got to definitely uh, make sure you've got the advertised out there and give people enough notice um, to come to it. Um, so yeah, so but I work with another company called Synergy International. I mentioned them before in a previous podcast that they do um, sell uh, on-site management rights for. Um, on-site managers and things like that. So people that run complexes, they do events almost. I think one a one a month or something like that. They're regular events, and they'll hire out a, a hotel room, um, like a um, a boardroom or part of a restaurant or something like that. Um, and they'll do speakers that are you know similar sort of thing. People from accounting and lawyers. And, solicitors and people like that and they'll do a bit of a mixture and there'll be people talking about the industry and everything else and then they might do um, book promotions and things like that during the um, during the event but that's another good thing for them is for marketing and advertising purposes when they run this event they record it all um, and then they, um, they use that to promote their business and things like that and network with other people so you know i've been to one of their events and that was pretty good i've been to a, an accountant event, same thing which is where i met them before so yeah they're a dab hand at doing it so if you're not too sure about running an event my suggestion would be to partner up with a company that runs them on a regular basis because then they will teach you um what they do what works what doesn't work how they advertise it all that kind of thing um, they've actually invited me to do um, an event with them, I think at the end of September. We've just got to finalize what the talk's gonna be on. And um, yeah, we'll do it. Um, my colleague hopefully will do, uh, be a guest speaker as well. So yeah, so it's probably a little bit out of my normal comfort zone, uh, speaking in front of a group of people. But it's one of those things where You've, I think you've got to do it if you, you're trying to uh, promote your brand and promote awareness. Um, it's just one of those skills that you've, you've got to um, acquire, you know, you've got to be able to present and speak in front of people and things like that and, and doing a few events. Once you've done a few, I think, you know, you get the feel of it and, and things like that, public speaking starts to become a bit easier then but I think it can be daunting for some people to run something like that to kick off with. Um, but yeah, I would say it's, it's a good way um, to network with people and it's also a good way to bring in a lot of sales all at once as well. Now, there's a lot of people out there that are, um, I've been to. Uh, I went to a ladies' um, seminar that was free to the general public and think she was selling a book and she was getting people to sign up and do this. It was like a course that she was doing. And I think it was several thousand dollars to do this course. And it was basically teaching people how to buy old properties, do them up and sell them. So it wasn't rocket science. I mean, to be fair, it's, she she's sort of selling it as along the lines of, oh, I'll tell you, you know, what property to buy, what suburb and all that kind of thing. Well, to be fair, if you do better research yourself, you could probably do that. But she was sort of selling the dream of, oh, you can you know, end up being a multimillionaire and own multiple properties and flip them and you know, make loads of money and, and all that kind of palaver. Which is true, you probably can do that, um, to be fair, if you know what you're doing. And I have worked with a developer that's got that kind of story where he, he bought his first property at a young age he renovated it and then he sold it and then he moved on eventually he owned multiple properties then he decided to do property management and build a rent roll up he did that he's decided now to sell his rent roll and now he's moved on to larger projects where he builds up just under 100 houses with a business partner and then he brings somebody in like me to sell them for him so it can be done you can start with very little and, you know, renovate properties and, and do them all. But what I will say is, you know, th- that event, um, she would have, she got a team of people working for her. She'd hide, up at, uh, hide at a large hotel in the middle of um, Brisbane, like a conference uh, centre part. Um, and she spent several thousand, you know, uh, dollars to, to get those people there through advertised on social media and everything else that she would have done to get them through the door but then you've got a captive audience of maybe 100 to 200 people there they're going to spend a couple of grand each and sign up after you've talked to them for hours on end Um, because it went on for pretty much all day Um, as far as I can remember I think it was like a 10 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning to maybe four o'clock in the afternoon something like i'm not sure now it it felt like all day though um you know they had a break in between and then of course at towards the end it became the hard sell of buy my book go on my course do this do that and i watched at the end of all these people lining up to to sign up and stuff like that so she'd obviously brainwashed them into going oh yeah this is definitely a good idea so if you're going to take it to the next level Um, you might want to start off with small events with local businesses and things like that and then gradually build your way up. But to run a, you know, a a great big event with a couple of hundred people in it, you're going to have to give them value for money. You're going to have to give up pretty much a whole day of talking. Um, So you're going to have to learn to be a good public speaker or you're going to have to partner up with somebody or multiple people that are comfortable doing public speaking in front of a couple of hundred people at a time and you've got to have a product to sell there and then Well, people are keen that they've just been to this event and they definitely want to um, spend some money on something. So, yeah, um, in all honesty, I don't really agree with that method of... uh, sales i think you um probably targeting people that are a bit gullible and a bit naive and, and all the rest of it i basically went to the event to do some research and i remember i i dished out a few business cards to a few people while i was there and uh, i was told very quickly you know uh, don't give your business cards out to people so i was like oh okay so that is it but to be fair i mean they probably spent several thousand on getting this event off the ground and this lady goes all over the country. So it's her business model basically. So I don't think I'd be very happy if I was running an open home or something. And then I had another agent turn up and started giving out the business cards. I think it would be a bit of a faux pas. So um, I didn't realise that at the time. I just thought, oh, this would be a good place to meet people that want to buy property and we'll see how it goes. So anyway... <laughs> So don't do that. Um, but yeah, so I, I, there's there's a couple of ways of doing the events. There's the general public way and getting as many people there that are your target market that you're looking to sell to. And then there's the networking business to business way. And so far I've tended to lean towards business to business networking just because of the, the sheer cost of getting the you know, average general public to turn up on a Saturday to a, an event somewhere and the uh, the outlay cost of renting a, a massive room in a hotel in the middle of the city or putting food on and all sorts of stuff. Whereas if you've got 20, 30 people going and and so they've got an access to a database of a couple of thousand people per business and they're happy to send uh, you know information out about your company, and promote you to their clients free of charge and you do the same for them then that's very cost-effective in comparison but like say this person had a product to sell there and then I can't exactly sell somebody a, a property an event it's not likely to happen it's a longer process involved you know, meetings and talking to finance people and, and all sorts of different things so it isn't a just signed here and you bought you know a four hundred thousand dollar property or something I don't think that's going to work somehow so yeah um, I think it's one of those things whereby if you're confident in, in speaking to people in public and you're trying to build a name for yourself in the industry um, and you're willing to pay for the outlay then I think events can be very useful for brand awareness and and basically, you know, building the brand of yourself and who you are and what you represent and what you're trying to do for, you know, the general public or for businesses that you're going to be involved in, and it just um, improves your your status level. I think if you can do that, so I'm certainly happy to do it with other businesses and things like that. And you know, who knows? Maybe in the future, you know, we might look at doing a big event with with another company. Uh, and hiring out a hotel and, and uh, you know a big conference hall or something like that and getting a couple hundred people there and spending some serious day on it. I mean if it works, it would just have to be really sat down and thought through and all the rest of it. But yeah, like I say, um, normal little events where you're just you know helping to promote other people's businesses as well as your own. I think that's a, I think that's a good idea it's a nice little get together. people appreciate you taking the time and the energy to uh, you know arrange that kind of thing and, and help them. Um, so they're going to be more likely to, to do business with you and things like that so it might be something that you have not thought of doing. Um, it's a bit like um, I, I worked for Re, Remax a few years back and they did an auction night. Um, you know, and they auction off multiple properties all in the same evening. So it's things like that, where it's a little bit different. Um, so, you know, and it's something that brings people together. There's another as a solicitor, I'm trying to think what they're called. I think they're, um, DBA, DBA or something like that. Uh, the, one of the guys there is called Mark. He came to my event, really good solicitor, um, and they run an event for the races every year, so they invite probably twenty different real estate agencies from all over Brisbane, because they they act as solicitors for a lot of them. So uh, they put on a they put on a bit of a do for the real estate agencies, and it doesn't cost them that much. But you think about all the business that they they get off the back of doing that; it's probably worth it. And that's just a fun thing that they do. They hire out a room and. Um, Storybridge Hotel I think in Brisbane and you know, have a lot of people come along to it and we all mix together and say hello which company do you work for and swap business cards and you know, think oh yeah great these people are brilliant they put on a you know an event for us all that's nice we'll, we'll definitely recommend them to other people and it just um it just keeps them top of mind because they do bother to do that kind of thing so I you know there's the nice way of doing an event like that and then there's the uh, cold hard let's sell stuff to people way of doing an event so you really got to sit down and think well you know what is it that i want to do do i want to charge people to come to an event to hear me speak have i got something important to say can i talk for you know six hours in one go do i know people that can come to an event that, that have got a lot of clout um is this the road I want to go down? Have I got a product to sell at an event? Or do I want to do some uh, events to, to network with local businesses and things like that for referrals? You know, what is it that you're looking to do? Or maybe you want to do a bit of bit of both. Um, so, yeah, um, it's one of those things to think about and think, is, is this something that I want to try out and, um, you know, bring to my own business? And, uh, you know, is it going to help or hinder, hinder me long term? So, yeah, remember that. If you're going to be recorded and put onto YouTube and you don't want to make a pride of yourself, you want to be able to make sure that you're delivering something that's uh, polished and sophisticated and, you know, you're a good talker in front of people, good public speaking, and um, you bring in value for money for people as well. If they you know if they might not pay to come to the event, but... still giving up their time to come and see somebody talk about a subject that they want to learn more about. So you've got to look at it that way as well. Don't waste people's time. Make sure that they get value for money if they're going to come to your event and give up their time. So yeah, that would be my advice. But uh, certainly is an interesting thing to try out. And like I say, the first time you do it can be a bit nerve-wracking. It was for me. (laughs) um but yeah i think um once you've got one or two under your belt i think you start to get the confidence then and and it's it's a skill that you can develop and there are people out there that can train you to to help you with public speaking so yeah i would definitely um look into it and at least try it once and see how you go so that's the end of today's podcast just a quick one just to um you know, give you an idea of something else that I've actually worked on, been invited to do, been to other people's, what experience I've had from that. Um, and yeah, how how it's affected me uh, in my business. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things I'm probably going to keep going and keep doing. So thanks very much for your time. Uh, please feel free to visit the website and drop me a line, www.myrealestateadvisor.com. Have a fantastic day or a fantastic evening, depending on when you're listening to this. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Guy Brown from My Real Estate Advisor. I think this is podcast number seven, possibly. I'm going to entitle this podcast as Are You A Spy At Work? This is a bit of an unusual podcast. So I was thinking about this earlier on this morning and I was thinking, well, when you work for a company, if you're going to end up owning your own business, technically when you're working for a company, you're like a spy in that business because... You're learning how everything works within that company. So, you know, what their invoice processes are, um, how they do sales, uh, how they bring in new business, what their office hours are, what the operating procedures are, how their HR works, all sorts of different things. And you might not realize it at the time but you're actually taking all this information in on quite a deep level because you have to take the information in because you work for that company. So, the reason why this sort of occurred to me, and it's one of those things where I'm asking the question, are you a spy at work? Is because, um, for a long time, I sort of had to pretend that I was going to get my gold watch every time I work for a company when in actual fact my long term goal was to emigrate to Australia and ultimately to own my own business that's what I wanted to do um, that's what I wanted to do for close to 20 years I think it's, well, it's probably, probably 16 years something like that so I, when I was um, 21 I first went to Australia as a backpacker, and I did a minuscule amount of training—not uh, training, sorry, traveling. And I only, I only, uh, I only went from New South Wales to um, Queensland. Really, didn't go very far. Um, but you know, when you when you're 21 and you've, you've never traveled that far before, you know, it's a big deal. And you know, when you travel to the other side of the world, again, on your own, this is a big deal. Which is what I did, because obviously at the time, well not obviously, but you know, what happened was that none of my friends were earning particularly very good money. They couldn't afford to come with me to Australia. They didn't really want to come to Australia. They didn't have any interest, didn't want to take the time off work, whatever. So I ended up coming to Australia on my own. And that was the catalyst for me to want to emigrate. I've lived in the UK my whole life. I've, had, you know, uh, done a done a fair bit of travelling um, as a youth. As in, you know, I'd been to Mexico and, I've, you know, been to different parts of Europe. Grown up with the family and stuff like that. Um, and you know, in the UK, you're always looking at. You get two weeks of sunshine a year where you get to go to Greece or Spain or somewhere like that for two weeks and get away from the horrible weather and then the rest of the year you're just, you know, enjoying the drizzle and the grey sky and, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, I sort of, you know, it was in the back of my mind that I wanted to travel I'd always wanted to go to Australia. I was interested in going to America as well, but America um, compared to Australia is a lot, lot more dangerous. Um, you know, uh, Australia is a walk in the park. I mean, yes, there's deadly animals here, but to be honest with you, chances of you being eaten or bitten or whatever by something is pretty slim to none. Um, whereas in America if you walk down the wrong street good chance someone's gonna shoot you or stab you or something so you know I thought Australia's probably a better bet and it, and it was so far away and, and so unusual I really wanted to, to go and see it and, and have a look at it and it was a bit of an adventure you know so anyway so I came to Australia I did the backpacking thing on my own made some friends and i was staying in hostels and i was looking at how much the money the hostels made and the hostels were making a fair bit of money for doing absolutely bugger all you know the the standards were really super low you know we're talking bunk beds and you know basically all they had to do was run a run a bit of a laundry and and that's it i mean there wasn't a lot to it to be fair you get a key go in your room um get your nice bunk bed, share with some randomer or, or somebody you were travelling with or whatever and that was you, you know, there wasn't any, wasn't anything to write home about there wasn't any, anything in the room or anything like that um, unless you stayed in a really nice hostel um, but then, you know, you start paying out more money you might as well stay in a hotel anyway, so I thought, well, you know, this, these people are making a fair bit of money and it's not an overly difficult job um, and I wouldn't mind coming back here and owning a hostel, that would be good. I could meet people from all over the world, it's a fairly stress-free job. I mean, in all actual fact, it'd probably be a bit boring, to be honest with you, but, you know, at the time, uh, I thought, yeah, it's a nice, chilled out job. I wouldn't mind doing that. So that's sort of how it started, where I was sort of more leaning towards working for myself. And I'd just come from working in a call centre. So I've been working in a call centre in newcastle Underline, which is in Stoke-on-Trent, which is in the Midlands, which is a really industrial, rubbishy place, to be honest with you. It's not a great place. And this call centre was very depressing. It was, there were no, there were no uh, windows. You're all on a little pod. Uh, and they were uh, micromanaged, you know, beyond measure. As in, you know, you were timed how long it took you to go to the toilets, how long you're on a call for. All your calls were recorded and then played back to look for errors if you deviated from your script. You lost money if you deviated from the script. Um, it was it was pretty horrible as a job goes. I mean, you might as well be a factory worker or a warehouse worker. I think you'd have more freedom to go to the toilet doing that job than working in a call centre. So I'd gone from this very sort of suppressive, um, micromanaged environment. And I was good at my job. I was the best person on my team. I, my stats came back every week, and I was there. You know, I, you know, couldn't couldn't fault me for work performance. But my manager didn't like me. I didn't like my manager. And um, and yeah, I'd had enough. And I thought, bulls, I'm going to go to Australia. I, I want. I need to get away from this bullshit place and this bullshit job and these bullshit people. Um, so I did I Jumped on the plane. I went to the other side of the world. And then, of course, when you when you do that for the very first time, you do it on your own, and you come to somewhere like Australia. I flew into Sydney. Um, it just knocks your socks off when you come from a, you know, an industrial um, city in the Midlands in the UK, you, you know, which is on the decline because its its main industry was going down the toilet and being outsourced overseas and all that kind of thing. Um, Plus the weather's crap on top. Can't say any other. Um, then you, you sort of you, you come to Sydney and it's like utopia. You know you've got the Opera House and the bridge, and the Botanical Gardens, great big skyscrapers, fantastic. Um, you know, uh, sea all around it and all stuff like that. You know it's all got a harbour and all that plava, and it's just just absolutely knockout, amazing place. You know, from from the if you if you could do a side by side and have a photograph of Sydney and have a photograph of Stoke-on-Trent, it's laughable. You just like, oh my God! You know, one looks like paradise, the other one looks like an industrial nightmare. So that opened my mind up to, you know, the world's a big place. At the end of the day, you. you you know you've got to go and do what makes you happy at the end of the day and working for people like that and being micromanaged is never going to make you happy you're not going to be happy so I thought well yeah the hostel thing sounds like a good idea Um, I'll go back to England and then I'll have a think about it so I went back to England went back into a very similar sort of job wasn't quite a call center but it would be office office job you know whatever and um, and then you know started planning my escape and then I met my uh, wife was, you know, and uh, told her about Australia and just said look you know I really love Australia Australia's uh, a fantastic place now I want to go to see the rest of it because I, I didn't see that much when I was there because I only had a couple of months away. So, you know, do you want to come with me? Um, and we'll travel around Australia and we'll, we'll work now. We've got a working visa and we'll go and have a look at the place. And she did. Um, and we, um, we, we we'd, we'd done like living in the UK, living in a little town that was from, doing, you know, office-type office, jobs and whatever and um and then we we went over to australia, so we we basically moved out of the place where we were renting sold all our all our tat um, and just left with some bags and and went over to australia and then when we were in Australia, we both got work straight away um we stayed in hostels um, we traveled around all australia we um uh, we rented a house at one point. We we both had different, um, different jobs. Uh, she was doing uh, support work type of work because she was in the process of becoming a nurse. I was doing sales jobs. You know, all sorts of different weird and wonderful sales jobs: selling insurance, selling um, phone stuff. Uh, can't think what else. I, I did a did a lot of ways, I mean at one point in Perth I even did a removal job, so I did a bit of everything, um, but yeah we travelled all around Australia and to me that was research, you know, it was, what's it like living and working in this in this place, you know, what what's the difference between living in the UK and working and living in Australia and working and we found that Australia the wages tended to be better less work the lifestyle was amazing um, you know we would always have something go to go and see and something new to go and do and stuff like that and um, you know and this is this is the days before Facebook before you had you know the internet on your phone and all that sort of stuff so it was very uh, you know primitive in that sense but yes so anyway the work-life balance was much better and just the lifestyle was better in Australia compared to the UK in general and I can tell you that firsthand because I have spent almost 30 years living in the UK and I'm coming up to almost 10 years living in Australia so you know I know the difference I mean it's not all sunshine and rainbows in Australia it still can be quite a difficult place to live um, if you're not Got much work, or um, you're going for a tough time. But as a rule, it's it certainly is an easier place to live, um, and it's you know nicer nicer scenery. Anyway, so when I went back to the UK, my wife trained to be a nurse because that was the what she wanted to do, and also that was the get in to get into Australia, was being able to. Um, meet the criteria that they were looking for. They they only wanted people that in certain professions and things like that. And nursing was the number one thing on the list that uh, the Australians wanted. And you had to be within the age range. You had to pass an English test. You had to be physically fit. Um, so you know they don't just take any soccer into the country. You either have to buy your way in, as in buy a business and be an entrepreneur or something like that. So you probably have to be a multi-millionaire to be able to get into Australia but even then you've got to try and pass an English test if you're from overseas um, and you've got to be the right age and, and all the rest of it so we managed to fit all that criteria when we came back but while we were back in the UK I had to do a, go back to again sales jobs that were not too great and we moved away from where we were from first of all moved to Coventry which was horrible um, Jobs there. I think I worked at Jaguar at one point and their training was crap and their um, attitude was was terrible. Um, So I didn't work there very long. And then we moved to Birmingham and I had a couple of different jobs there. We were in Birmingham for three and a half years whilst you trained to be a nurse and I had uh, a few different jobs there. Last job I had there was probably the best job. I worked for a telecommunications company and um, the the money was good, the environment was nice, the people were all nice that worked there and I really enjoyed that job, they they were good people. The job prior to that was absolutely terrible. I worked for a a mailing company and they were just disgusting people, they were the most horriblest, nasty, spiteful, tight, obnoxious bastards you could ever hope to meet. Just, oh, wankers. While I was working and doing all these different jobs and traveling around and doing all this different stuff, um, I was learning how all these different companies worked, all the ins and outs. Obviously I had to pretend I was gonna get my gold watch every single time I worked at a company and I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna stay here for 10 years and it's all gravy. but then the reality was I wasn't going to stay there. I was going to um, I was going to go back to, um, to Australia and all the rest of it. And then I think I got into real estate not long having coming back into Australia. I'd retrained to be a personal trainer because I, I wanted to try and get away from sales and own a gym and stuff like that. And then I ended up falling into real estate. I really enjoyed real estate. Um, and there's a lot of money to be made in real estate if, you, if you're good at your job. And of course I've done years and years of sales training in multiple different companies all over the world and, and I, you know, I, I could sell ice to the Eskimos. I, I was that good at selling, it was by default, I wouldn't even try and I'd be able to sell something. So, so I thought, well, real estate's probably, if you're gonna end up having to be a salesperson, that seems to be the way things have panned out. Then, why not work in real estate? Because at least you're selling, you know, the most ex- expensive things that people can buy. it's a Property, um, so the commission's got to be the, the highest amount of commission you can earn because you're selling the most expensive thing. But the real estate industry is a very difficult industry, it's not like you know, selling a mobile phone or insurance or anything like that—it's—it's it's high-end stuff, and there's a lot of emotions involved, and uh, people are people are weird, and the way things are done are very old-school as well in a traditional real estate office. So I learnt to pretend like a spy, that I was gonna stay somewhere forever and and I worked down, and fit into to their little world and all the rest of it. But all the time I was planning to set my own business up, learn, learn the ropes, um, and then go from there. So that's basically what I've ended up doing. So if you're like me and you you work for companies but you you know you don't really want to work for companies um, then just take the opportunity to learn as much as you can about how their business st- structure works and and how they work as a company and, and how it all fits together because if you're gonna have your own business in the future that knowledge is, is priceless and if you are uh, happy working for a business then make sure you pick the right business and you pick the nice environment. You know, like the place I was saying in Birmingham, where the people were really nice and it was a nice environment. Um, because if you're going to stay there long term, you want to make sure that you you're happy in your role, and uh, you, you know you appreciate the company, you like what it is that they they do, the service or the product they provide. So you believe in what you're selling and what you're doing, um, whatever that might be, and you do enjoy working with the people that you work with uh, if it's going to be a long-term thing. Unfortunately for me, or fortunately for me, I don't um, do well working for other people. I, I do want to be the boss. I don't want people telling me what to do. I do want to be a bit of a maverick and and try things and do things my own way and um, think outside the box. I, I don't do very well working for people and I've had to learn that the hard way. You know, society drums into people, you should work nine till five, Monday to Friday, and you need to have a job, and blah, 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 and all the rest of it. Um, Well, you know, that works for some people, but it doesn't work for me. I didn't grow up in that environment. My parents were both self-employed. My mother retrained to be a counsellor and got a a master's. So I've sort of come from people that... um, do their own business and uh, and also think outside the box and and all the rest of it so I, I can't really conform and fit into an environment where you know you've got to be at work at this time then you go home at this time and you've got to be on you know you've only got this long for your lunch and you can you know you can only say these words to the client but you can't say anything else you know i i can't be in a very um super micromanaged structured environment um, and be micromanaged by somebody. It just doesn't work for me as a person. And I think that that's been a very difficult um, learning curve because, you know, for years I've wanted to probably work for a company and, and get my gold watch, get have their job security and, and all the rest of it because it's an easier life, to be honest with you. It's a lot easier to work for a company and have job security and have that other... You know, somebody else is, is paying the, the lease on the commercial property. Somebody else is in charge of payroll. Somebody else is in charge of um, running that company. All you've got to do is turn up and do your job and go home. Well, that, you know, that's that's a much easier um, thing to do than actually be the person that's responsible for everything, that runs everything and sets everything up. Um so yeah, I, I do envy people that can just go in and fit into a job and and do the nodding dog and play the game and all the rest of it, but I, unfortunately I can't do that and I don't disrespect people that do have a job and work for somebody and, and they're happy doing that, you know, more power to you if you could do that, but for my personality and, uh, it just doesn't work, it just doesn't work. So you know, I, I, that's why I've ended up being a spy in my job and at work, and and, and pretending to be something that I'm not. And that's um, you've got to you've got to draw the line somewhere. And then you've got to you know you push yourself to go and do your own business, and and you know, be an innovator. Uh, and just uh, yeah, and just go for it. So, I'd ask yourself that question. Whoever you're working for at the moment, if you are working for a company, um, are you a spy at work? You know, are you biding your time, gathering information about how that business runs, to then set your own rival company up? And this this ha- happens all the time. I spoke to a chap um, not so long ago, and he said that his bosses were awful. Um, he, he you know he knew somebody else that might be able to go into business with him they could emulate the same company and provide the same kind of service he'd already got all the contacts because he you know he'd been dealing with for, for that business um, so you know people do think like that they think well you know I'm only doing this now because I've got to do it and I've got to pay the bills and keep a roof over my head and put food on the table but you know i'm doing it out of necessity not because i want to do it and that's and then they end up you know doing their own thing and it is very risky to do that it is a massive risk but i don't think you'll ever be happy um if you if you've got a similar personality to myself working for somebody else i just don't think it's gonna it's gonna pan out um, and that's, uh, and you go to work for a large percentage of, of your life so you've got to be happy with your job uh, and what you do and have a career um, you can't um, go through life gritting your teeth pretending that you you know, uh, working for whoever's what you've always wanted to do so yeah, so ask you the, ask yourself that question, uh, am I a spy at work, am I actually Am I secretly planning to take over the world and steal this business idea and run my own company and whatever? Or am I happy to work for Joe Bloggs and his mates? Uh, you know, they're great. Uh, they look after me. I haven't got to worry about anything. I'm sure this company's gonna be here for the next 100 years. So I'm gonna worry about anything. Um, which is it? And And I think that's very important that you figure that out And the faster you figure that out, the better it is for you. And I'm coming from a sales point of view, from a sales background, because sales is ten a penny. You're easily replaceable and there's no real job security. I mean, if you're, uh, you know, a welder or something, uh, or a plumber or a bricklayer or, uh, you know, a job that's practical or you're a brain surgeon, uh, to be fair, it's not really worth you setting up your own business Um, you know if you're a brain surgeon just go work for another hospital if you don't like the one you work for if you're a bricklayer just go work for another builder if you're a welder go work for another welding company it's not really worth the agro um, to to, to set your own business up it's only worth doing it if you you can afford to do it and you really want to do it Uh, and I think if you've got um, job security and you've got a practical job um, then it, it might not be worth doing but if you're in a job where you are easily replaced you're under, undervalued, not appreciated um, then maybe it's time to start to think about working for yourself and using the knowledge that you've gathered working for others so, yeah, so that's my little weird podcast for today. Um, I hope you like it. I would sort of give you something else to think about, a bar, bar me talking about real estate stuff all the time and, you know, uh, that kind of thing. I just thought I'd give you a bit of a, a bit of a my like track history as to how I've got to this point, as to, you know, what happened. It's basically, you know, come from having jobs where... I have been underappreciated and it's come from travel and experience and pushing myself to, you know, want a bit more, go a bit further and see, see, see what else is out there. And those two things together is a bit of a catalyst because you've got the, the side of you where it's like, well, I hate being micromanaged and told what to do and whatever, Um and then the other side of it is like, well, I, you know, I wanna, I'm want to, i gonna travel as far as I can go and do as much as I can and, you know. So you put those two things together and you've got a good driver there. You've got somebody that wants to travel to another part of the world where life's easier to get on. You know, there's less competition. Um, it's a nicer environment. Uh, there's, there's uh, you know, more uh, available here, you know, right down to land and you know whatever so that and the driver not to work for people that are going to treat you like dirt so you put those two things together and that makes makes a massive difference if you were to take that away and to put somebody you know to have a personality transplant and go oh i love being micromanaged this is great I love being told what to do. I like to know what time I start work and what time I finish and how long I can go to the toilet and all that sort of thing. I love that. I like the security of that. It makes me feel safe. And, uh, oh, no, I don't want to, I don't want uh, to travel, you know. I, I miss my family and my friends and, uh, you know, I know where the shops are around the corner here. I, I don't want to, don't want to go overseas. That's That's madness, you know. I, I don't know anybody overseas. Do you see what I mean? So, it's, it comes down to you as a person, so you've got to think very long and hard. Um, you know, who am I and what do I want? You know, don't just go and do a job just to keep other people happy and, you know, pay the bills and all the rest of it. And don't just stay in a little crappy town because, you know, you don't want to upset your uh, your parents that you or, you know, whoever. That you're going to move somewhere else Because it's your life at the end of the day You're the one that's got to sit there and do the job You're the one that's got to live in the crappy town So, you know, look at it like that You only get one shot at life And you should, if you want to push yourself and go um, Live overseas or live in the next town Or do set your own company up or whatever You, you know, you go for it, you go and do it um, more power to you and if you're happy with the town and the job and the security well, great stuff you haven't got to do anything you just keep plodding along, do your job and uh, you know you'll get your gold watch and you'll be you'll be happy as Larry and again more power to you if you can do that um, so yeah so that's today's talk um, anybody's interested in, any, in buying any real estate Website is www.myrealestateadvisor.com.au and my email address is info at myrealestateadvisor.com.au and my mobile number is 0434695789. Uh, so, yeah, thanks very much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day or your evening whenever you're listening to this and uh, yeah, I've enjoyed giving you a bit of a, an unusual Chat today on uh, on, Are You a Spy at Work? Okay, have a great day. Thanks, bye bye.